minutes. Maybe just one or two to make sure that everyone's on the line will start. You're listening to Spotify Earnings Call Replays. Thank you and welcome to Spotify's first quarter 2020 earnings conference call. I hope everyone is staying safe during these unusual times. As is the case with just about everyone, our team will be hosting the call entirely remotely. Our CEO, Daniel Eck, is participating from Stockholm, and I'm at my home office in New Jersey. Turning now to the call, we will start with opening comments from Daniel, and after the remarks, Daniel and I will be happy to answer your questions. New for the quarter is that we will be taking questions exclusively through Slido. Questions can be submitted by going to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com, and using the code hashtag Spotify earnings. Analysts can ask questions directly into Slido and all participants can then vote on the questions they find the most relevant. We hope this keeps the call as efficient as prior quarters, but increases the transparency around which questions get asked and in what order. If for some reason you don't have access to Slido, you can email investorrelations at ir at spotify.com and we will add your questions. Before we begin, let me quickly cover the safe harbor. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements, including projections or estimates about the future performance of the company. These statements are based on current expectations and assumptions that are subject to risk and uncertainties. Actual results could materially differ because of factors discussed on today's call, in our letter to shareholders, and in filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. During this call, we will refer to certain non-IFRS financial measures. Reconciliations between our IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures can be found in our letter to shareholders in the financial section of our Invest Relations page and also furnished today on Form 6K. And with that, I will turn it over to Daniel. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us. Before jumping into our quarterly results, I want to acknowledge these extraordinary times that have profoundly impacted the world around us. On behalf of the entire Spotify team, I want to express our deepest appreciation to the healthcare workers and first responders around the world who are keeping us safe. I also want to acknowledge all of the creators whose livelihoods have been altered, from the artists whose music continues to inspire us to the podcasters who keep us entertained and informed. We know that many creators with touring and live shows canceled, the pandemic has brought unthinkable levels of uncertainty into their lives. And like every other company, we're operating within a new reality. And it's of course premature to say when things will return to more normal or what the normal will look like. But despite this uncertainty, Q1 was a strong quarter for Spotify. We continue to see impressive user growth up 31% from last year. In fact, we saw faster growth in all four of our regions in the first quarter of 2020 compared to Q1 2019. And we met our guidance by nearly every measure growing both our subscribers and MAUs. The one exception was advertising revenue, which is a very small portion of our total revenue. Obviously, a loss in ad revenue is something that every media company is experiencing during these challenging time. So in sum, our overall business is less impacted than many others. Podcast consumption grew by triple digits during the quarter compared to just a year ago. It was also our biggest quarter ever for organic podcast creation. And while many companies have had to adjust their output during this crisis, almost all of our original and exclusives have either maintained or increased their pace of new releases in response to audience demand. 
For example, our original podcast Science VS and Festen Flauschig have both doubled their weekly releases. And we also launched a new daily news podcast in Germany that has already become the second largest show in the country and regularly ranks in the top 20 worldwide. And we've been encouraged by the wave of creativity in new podcast creation this quarter. More than 70% of new podcasts on Spotify were created with Anchor and within our own ecosystem. So with 286 million monthly active users and 130 million subscribers, it's clear that audio and Spotify continue to play an important role in our users' lives. Our solid performance is the result of the audio first strategy that we put in place just over a year ago. And we're up 31% in both MAU and subs year over year. And while we saw some minor impact from COVID-19 during the back half of the first quarter, MAU and subs remained in line with our forecast and held steady. In hard hit markets like Italy and Spain, we saw more of a decline in daily active users and consumption. But over the last few weeks, we've seen listening start to rebound in a big way. In this environment, we've had to suspend what we normally believe and think differently about our business. So for example, when we saw consumption starting to decline, we would have assumed that MAUs and paid subscribers would be negatively impacted. But that wasn't the case. In fact, both new and reactivated MAUs grew substantially even during lockdown periods in major markets. And we believe this is a testament to how engaging our platform and ecosystem are to our users. And last year, as you all know, we outlined a vision to be the world's largest audio platform and we've made significant progress. We now have more than 1 million podcasts on the platform and we're the number one audio service for podcasts in dozens of countries around the world and quickly gaining ground where we're not. And I know many are wondering how we will continue to weather the storm. With so many unknowns, there are some questions we simply can't answer at this point. But I can say that I'm confident that we will continue to be in a position of strength when this is behind us. And that's because of our model, our scale, and our superior user experience. And of course, our content pipeline. These are the fundamentals that have fueled our success and will continue to do so in the future. When I look ahead, both short and long-term, I'm always thinking about what Spotify's role within the larger ecosystem. And while most focus is on competition between streaming services, we continue to be focused on the billions of users that are listening to linear radio. The 20-year trend is that everything linear dies and on-demand wins. This is a trend that we suspect will be accelerated by the COVID pandemic. Time at home has moved people out of their cars, requiring them to shift their listening behaviors, and that's when they discover streaming. And Spotify is the best position to capitalize on this, and because we offer a personalized and on-demand experience, they end up staying. So in my mind, our competition is actually those learned and long-held user behaviors. For us, it will always be about capturing the share of time listeners spend elsewhere and prove out that their time is far better spent with us. And we see this happening now on our platform as routines like commuting to work and going to the gym were disrupted and consumers started to form new habits. And of course, the ubiquity of our platform was a true advantage for Spotify. And because we're available on over 300 devices across 80 hardware brands, we're accessible to users even as their listening behaviors have changed. For example, while listening in the car has declined, 
listening on gaming consoles is exploding and we continue to see increased listening on home speakers and through TVs. And on the music front, we were pleased to reach a long-term licensing deal with Warner Music that covers all of our existing markets and paves the way for us to enter new ones. We also delivered some of the year's most popular music releases to our fans. The weekend's album After Hours had the biggest debut of the year so far, and Dua Lipa's album Future Nostalgia broke three Spotify records when it was re released in late March. Fans are craving new music, and we expect to see more artists and labels move forward with their planned releases. But it's not just about delivering relevant content. In the midst of an economic downturn, Spotify's free tier and freemium model are more valuable now than ever. It's important to remember that just over 60% of our paid subscribers come from our free tier. So growing the top of the funnel has always been a priority for us. And with more and more people dealing with the financial stress, our free service provides a bridge to ensure users don't have to give up access to their favorite podcast and music. In fact, over the last few weeks, we've seen an increase in the number of users coming to the platform for our free service. Many of these listeners are returning to Spotify from lapsed accounts, and some are joining from other streaming providers. As you know, the majority of our competitors do not have a free tier, and that, of course, makes Spotify a more appealing option in this environment. This should allow us to expand the pool of subscribers available to us as the economy recovers. No one knows how long this will last or what the long-term implications will be, but we're very optimistic because of the many positive indicators we continue to see in our business and our strong cash position and our strong belief that we will continue to grow and gain share. There have been many unknowns and surprises throughout this crisis, but I'm really proud of our team and pleased by how well our business has responded. I will now turn it over to Paul to open the call for questions. Great. Thanks, Daniel. And again, if you have questions, please go to uh, slido.com, hashtag Spotify earnings, and uh, we'll read the questions in order they, they come in with, uh, with respect to people voting up their, their preference for questions. So the first question comes from Mark Mahaney. How are you thinking about long-term gross margins for the sub and ad segments, given the allocation of all podcast content costs to the ad segment? Um, so there's really no change in thinking there. Um, we mentioned in the shareholder letter um, that we made an adjustment uh, from an accounting perspective in terms of how we allocate uh, costs uh, for the podcasting business. Uh, historically, we had uh, allocated the cost both free and premium. Uh, now, all of the revenue associated with podcasts and all of the costs associated with podcasts um, will both be in our ad-supported business. Uh, it doesn't in any way change our view of podcasts or the importance of podcasts for the premium business with respect to engagement, with, with respect to consumption, with respect to users. Um, this was just a decision we made from an accounting perspective. So it has no impact on our consolidated gross margins. Uh, we manage the business for a consolidated gross margin and all of our expectations in terms of how that will uh, change and improve over time. Uh, this has no impact on that uh, whatsoever. Uh, the next question, uh, also from Mark, could you elaborate on the gross margin improvements stemming from... Oops. Oh, there's... The yep. It just got moved. Uh, uh, stemming from the core royalty component due to product mix. Does this mean gross margins benefited from the shift towards podcast? Um, no, what that refers to is uh, product mix can impact the gross margin in a couple of ways. Uh, one is when premium is uh, slightly more than ads as, uh, relative to our forecast. Because premium has a higher gross margin, it can impact the gross margin positively that way. 
Um, it also means that sometimes the mix of products within uh, premium relative to our forecast with respect to standard and family and student, uh, that can also impact the, uh, the reported gross margin. So that's what that is in reference to. Um, next question comes from Ben Swinburne. Can you provide some color on the 500 base points drag to advertising gross margins called out in the letter as unusual? As advertising revenues slow, can you help us think about the incremental margins and whether minimum guarantees will increase the proportion of revenue declines that fall to gross profit? Um, yeah, so the 500 base point unusual. Um, uh, there's oftentimes the quarters can be uh, lumpier. We had some one-time items uh, in the quarter. They particularly hit the uh, uh, the advertising gross margin, uh, they're not going to recur. Uh, so we try and call these things out uh, if possible. Um, so that's what that is, is related to. It's basically some one-time issues uh, around publishing that will not, uh, will not happen again. And with respect to advertising and a decline on gross margins, um, so we have modeled this out. Um, we don't think there's much of a risk right now to uh, our forecasted advertising growth margin from uh, an even further slowdown in advertising, which we are obviously not forecasting different from what we put in our guidance. Um, but we don't see much of a, of a risk to, uh, to gross margins from a further slowdown in advertising with respect to uh, uh, any of the guarantees. Next question comes from Jessica Reef Ehrlich. In regard to your new Warner Music Agreement, can you discuss key changes, including how podcast revenue will be contemplated, length of the contract, et cetera? Yeah, uh, obviously we can't comment on the specifics. What I can say is to up-level the conversation, the focus for these renewals were really around uh, establishing the marketplace, establishing podcasts and the shift from music to audio. And obviously we wouldn't have done the deal if we didn't weren't happy with the terms um, that we agreed on. And this is a multi-year deal uh, that covers all existing markets and new markets as well. So we're very pleased with that. Great. The next question comes from Ben Swinburne. Can you spend a minute on the lowered revenue outlook? You mentioned FX and ad sales are the biggest drivers with FX the largest at almost half. That suggests the lowered outlook for advertising is a minority. What are the other factors? All premium ARPU. Um, yeah, so FX is the largest. Uh, we mentioned it's about half. Um, so it's just under half of the, of the movement. We have some uh, pretty major currencies that have uh, year over year down close to 20% relative to the euro. Uh, we've seen it improve a little bit um, since the forecast was finalized, um, uh, but not too much. And so that's, uh, that's still a pretty good number. Uh, yes, ads is um, less than that. It's, it's the next biggest uh, component. Um, it's a pretty sizable amount um, in terms of uh, expectations for Q2. We expect it to get better throughout the year, but we don't have a, a significant ramp up uh, in ads beyond, um, beyond where we are in, in Q2. And then there is a small component on the premium side um, that's related to a, a couple of different things. Um, one is a little bit in terms of the, the timing of the, the promotional cadence, uh, which can always impact a little bit. Uh, FX is imp uh, impacting uh, premium as well. Uh, and then product mix uh, is having a little bit of an impact. So again, in order, uh, FX is the largest, um, all, almost half. Uh, advertising is next uh, at, a, at a pretty sizable amount. And then the remainder is a little bit on the premium side. Uh, the next question comes from Doug Enmuth. You are maintaining your outlook for the two-sided marketplace. Can you talk more about early progress and how it's impacted in the current environment given fewer no new album releases and tours? And what gives you confidence in maintaining your outlook there? Well, overall, um, just again, as you can see from the deal with Warner Music, we're very happy with all the relationships that we have with big and small uh, label partners, 
Um, and again, I, I, I think uh, the notable call out I'd have in this quarter was The Weeknd, uh, who had um, uh, a very, very strong release, uh, number one, smashed a lot of the records uh, that used our marketplace tools. So we continue to be uh, very, very uh, bullish about that. And I would suspect as uh, COVID plays out, um, you know, music streaming as a category will not be as impacted as many other categories. So that bodes well for labels. And then two, specifically related to uh, our marketplace strategy, the direct ROI uh, that we have on our marketplace products is much better than other um, mediums that labels can market in. So we suspect that will have a positive impact. Great. The next question comes from uh, Rich Greenfield. With artists sheltered, uh, with artists sheltered, you will likely be getting fresh new music in the months ahead. How do you think about that impact, and how has the mix shift in listening frontline versus catalog shifted in recent weeks? Yeah, we've seen a bit of a shift in terms of consumer behavior. Um, obviously, we mentioned before, car usage is down, in-home usage is up with more than fifty percent of the quarter. Um, Again, trend has been much more instrumental music, much more classical music, chill music has been up uh, that may skew towards catalog a little bit more than frontline. We've also seen many artists um, not releasing their their releases. Um, I would like to think with Dua Lipa and The Weeknd being such strong releases that more artists will come back to releasing new songs uh, as well. Um, overall on our service, clearly in Q1, we had a great growth we expect that trend to keep happening. So it's not a huge impact that uh, we haven't seen as many new releases in the first quarter. Uh, but uh, I think you're probably right that we should see a lot more new music come out in Q2 and Q3, which will be great. Uh, the next question comes from Michael Kling. Why not be more active in offering live virtual performances as a way to connect artists with their fans? This seems like an opportunity to leverage your data advantage to provide a service that artists would find extremely valuable right now. Any reasons why Spotify isn't more engaged here? Well, I, I think, again, uh, the macro trend here uh, isn't really live. Uh, I think the big macro trend is linear to on-demand. And of course, live is a component of that, but it's still a relatively small component. So the investment that we're making is uh, moving linear to on-demand. And that's been the big trend for the past 20 years of just everything linear moves to on demand. Um, and what we're spending a lot of time on is making sure that we are reflecting culture and the realities of consumption habits shifting. So um, as an example, uh, we launched an at-home hub um, and we are responding with more wellness uh, content, health content, uh, more news. Um, and you've also seen some of our original podcasts increasing their outputs as um, uh, pure reactions to this. And I would suspect the, that's going to be a bigger story of the overall consumption trend, both uh, going forward as well as in this moment. Next question comes from Richard Kramer. Dive. The IFPI Global Music Report shows a decline in the growth rate of streaming revenue in 2019. With multiple offers, often bundled, competing for attention, how can you be sure we are not reaching saturation in key developed markets? Well, uh, as I outlined in my opening remarks, uh, we're actually seeing an increased growth rate relative to Q1 2019. Uh, so we've accelerated our rate of growth uh, in all of our territories, including North America and Europe. 
so we're very happy about that. Um, that does not indicate a sign of a slowdown, so we're uh, very encouraged. And I would like to remind people again, if we just up-level uh, here, the big opportunity for us uh, over time is the billions of people that are currently listening to radio. If you compare it to streaming, uh, we're in the... Uh, hundreds of millions of consumers uh, globally on streaming. Uh, so we think that there's plenty of growth left to be had both in mature markets and as well developing markets like Asia. Um, another question from Richard Kramer. In the 2008-09 uh, global financial crisis, radio advertising was particularly badly hit. And that is a target market for your efforts in ads and podcasts. How does the current situation affect plans to monetize podcast content? Will ads growth permanently lag growth in subscriptions? I, I would just like to remind people again that ads is a very, very small portion of our business. It's about 10% of our overall revenue. So, so to the extent that we're impacted by ads, we're likely a lot less impacted than many other businesses. So long-term, we believe this is a great opportunity for us um, as uh the trend line of moving from linear to on-demand will likely be accelerated by the COVID-19 crisis. And we suspect that advertisers will shift from um, pure reach to more um, measurable ad formats, of which um, our um, ad formats uh, are obviously a lot better um, compared to analog uh, ad formats. So. Uh, our suspicion both on the advertising front as well as the consumption front is that this will play into the tailwinds of what's already been happening uh, of linear moving to on-demand. And then with respect to the, the podcast part of the, the question, we actually feel um, feel pretty good about podcasts. Podcast is actually one of the stronger categories uh, heading out of Q1 and in, into Q2. So there seems to still be a lot of demand for, uh, for podcast advertising. Uh, the next question comes from Ross Sandler at Barclays. The 2Q premium subguidance doesn't look like it has much impact from cancellations you noted in the letter. Can you talk about how the recession is impacting or not premium cancellations and overall subcadence? Um, yeah, so cancellations, active cancellations are actually a pretty small part of overall churn. And so if you take a step back, you know, churn in the quarter was uh, right in line with our expectations and it, we didn't see any impact from, uh, from COVID in the, in the churn numbers. Uh, it ticked up uh, just a teeny bit sequentially. It was down about 70 basis points year on year. So the churn number overall in, in Q1 uh, was really good and was in line with our expectations. Um, you know, the, the biggest uh, driver for us uh, of churn is still payment failure. Uh, and so that's something we're working on uh, to try and improve. Um, but, uh, um, but in general, uh, we haven't really seen much. And they said cancellations, active cancellations are still pretty small. Um, and, that's number one. And number two is uh, while we did see, um, you know, some pickup uh, towards the end of March, uh, we've seen some pretty nice improvement in that uh, in the bidding stages of, uh, of April. So um, it's, it's obviously factored into all of our numbers and guidance, but not much of an impact at this point. Uh, the next question comes from Eric at UBS. Can you provide granularity on how the marketing subscriber acquisition funnel continues to evolve, especially in the impacts you are seeing from the current environment? Have you adjusted your approach to either trials, promotional activity, or trying to stimulate reactivations? Yeah, overall, uh, just again, um, growth has been very, very strong and the growth rate is accelerating compared to Q1 in 2019. 
we're very pleased with that. Um, what's happening is obviously there's been a bit of a platform shift uh, mix where more and more consumption is happening in home uh, rather than in the car. I suspect um, that changes some of the tactics that we will pursue and just the, the channels that we're reaching consumers in uh, on the marketing side. And then mid to long term, that uh, uh, ends up being an opportunity to remind users as uh, we start easing up on uh, some of the restrictions to to promote people to come back to the car and all the amazing content that suits really well, daily commutes, et cetera, like the, the daily drive uh, um, playlist that we have on our service too. So um, overall, we feel very, very good about the slate of content that we have and that there's content for pretty much every moment of a user's lives. And our job from a marketing perspective is to remind them of that and remind them of all the amazing content that's being created um, every day on Spotify. Um, and before we move on, I, I've been told my uh, audio is a little choppy, so I apologize for that. Hopefully I can, I can improve it. So if there's um, any questions that don't get answered, we will have a replay of the, uh, of the call afterwards if anything isn't clear. Um, so our next question is from Shagad Manan. Will Spotify Premium change in pricing in any way in the upcoming months, years? Uh, no, um, again, our primary strategy is growth, um, as we said before, uh, rather than maximizing revenue. And that's due to the fact that, that of, we have we see this amazing opportunity of moving from radio to on-demand audio. And that's the trend line that we're trying to capture. And that's what you're seeing us go after. Um, we have made small pricing experiments in some of our more mature markets. And obviously due to inflation, you've seen us adjust pricing um, in uh, some territories too. The response from those have been very positive, but it's not something that we're focusing on in the short term. But uh, it's definitely encouraging to see that we have that opportunity uh, for uh, when uh, the economy improves and we feel that's the right trade-off to make. Uh, the next question comes from Matt Thornton at SunTrust. Does 2020 guidance contemplate any meaningful new market launches, i.e. South Korea and or Russia? Yeah, so um, we've talked about both Russia and South Korea as being markets uh, we want to we be in and, and nothing has changed there. Um, all of the guidance and forecasts we give you always uh, include our expectations of if and when we will launch in new markets. Um, so while we have nothing to announce at this point, uh, you should know those are definitely two markets that we are focused on and all the guidance that we've provided um, includes the timing of any uh, new market launches, uh, whether it be South Korea, Russia, or, or anything else. The next question comes from Doug Anmuth. Can you talk more about podcasts? Uh, one, how that's driving higher DAU, MAU. Two, your early progress with exclusives. And three, your appetite for more acquisitions in the current environment? Yeah, uh, I mean, overall, um, just to up-level, uh, it was about a year ago since we announced um, our um, shift from being music to uh, audio-first strategy. Uh, at that place, we were about a quarter of a million or so in our podcast catalog. We've grown that by 3x to over a million podcasts now. Uh, we were a small player in podcasts that were now more than number one in more than a dozen markets. 
uh, and growing very fast in the markets where we're not number one. So we're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, in terms of user behaviors, what we are seeing is that podcast users are more uh, engaged overall. They do listen to more music as well. Uh, and um, in terms of our originals and exclusives, we are seeing uh, some pretty good uh, progress. We're still learning how to best market those shows, uh, whether it's all out exclusives, whether it's windowing. Uh, so we're experimenting a bit with that. We're experimenting with how to market these shows too. Uh, I suspect that will be down to different audiences and consumption behaviors of those audiences. So you should expect that to, to play out in 2020. Uh, of more experimentation, but we're definitely doubling down based on the early signs uh, that we're seeing. And I think in as related to more acquisitions, uh, we keep on doing more deals and podcasts based on what we're seeing. So if the macro environment uh, means that there will be more advantageous deals to be done, we will for sure uh, look into that. Great. The next question from Heath Terry at Goldman Sachs. Do you have any way to quantify what impact an increase in shared listening may have had on reported DAUs or engagement? Do you believe that an increase in shared listening impacted churn positively or negatively? Um, we don't have any reliable way uh, of um, impacting shared listening. What we can say is obviously in the home, there's more shared listening than it is on mobile devices. Um, so it may have uh, played a part in DAU and um, engagement. Um, that said, overall, churn was uh, obviously in line with earlier expectations. Um, so uh, we haven't seen a big impact um, on churn numbers. I would just add, we I th we mentioned this, that the um, the DAD, DAU to MAU ratio in, uh, in Q1 of, of 2020 was above where it was in Q1 of 2019. So um, we feel really good about the, the trends in the DAU to MAU ratio. Uh, next question comes from Jessica. In large music markets that have remained largely physical, such as Japan and Germany, how has Shelter at Home impacted penetration? Also, can you, can you provide color on India and some of your other more recent market entries? Yeah, we don't break out uh, specific markets, but what I can say is uh, two observations. Uh, one is obviously that our user growth rate year over year is increasing. Um, and that is true in established markets as well as uh, expanding geographies. Um, and then what I believe we will see um, is uh, just the trend line of linear and physical will move to on-demand, and that trend line will be accelerated due to this pandemic um, as more and more people are learning new habits and new uh, experiences. And I think they will find that streaming is just a much more beneficial a much better user experience. So we we suspect uh, that um, teaches new audiences about streaming and, and that would likely have an uptick in long-term retention as well of those users. And then um, my only remarks on India specifically is obviously we finalized um, Warner um, deal and we've added a, a, some notable other uh, licensing deals. So we've improved catalog greatly in India and uh, I can certainly see from social sentiment, at least, that that's uh, having a very positive impact on users' love for Spotify in India. Um, next question comes from Michael Mars at Guggenheim. Can you expand on gross margin outperformance comments? What specific customer product mix behavior drove the difference? Also, what drove lower streaming delivery costs, and is that sustainable? 
Um, yeah, as I mentioned before, there's a number of things that can impact gross margin in, in, the, in any one quarter. Um, geographic mix, product mix. Um, uh, and so when you have um, some quarters where, as I said, premium is, uh, is more than advertising, uh, premium has higher gross margin, so that can help. And then the mix of products within premium can also impact the gross margin uh, in terms of relative to our expectations. Um, so that would be one. And then on the lower streaming delivery, um, we've sort of been on this path for the last couple of quarters where uh, we've gotten some efficiencies in streaming delivery. Um, I think the long-term trend is we'll continue to see streaming delivery um, improve, but I think in the near term, we've seen a lot of those, those benefits over the last couple of quarters. So uh, it's really been just getting efficiencies um, uh, on, the, uh, on the delivery in general, um, but I think that sort of improvement will moderate over the next couple of quarters. The next question comes from Mark Mahaney. What is happening with premium sub-churn trends in the June quarter so far? Um, yeah, we're not going to give any um, really updates on Q2 other than to say um, what I already said, which was churn was in line with ex expectations in Q1. Um, and we feel really good about how we ended Q1 in terms of uh, the impact of, of COVID on cancellations uh, or anything uh, related to that. So um, if you look at our, uh, our guidance and our expectations for subscribers, both for Q2 uh, and for the full year, we haven't really changed any of those expectations. Um, so hopefully that should be indicative of how we um, are seeing the current environment. Um, the next question comes from Eric at UBS. Has your view changed in terms of video content as an element of your broader engagement strategy and to support artists looking to reach fan and fans and promote their content in the current environment? Uh, not really. Uh, we continue to see video uh, be important in terms of a complement, uh, but I, I, I really do want to focus on um, just up-leveling the conversation. We believe video is uh, something that a lot of players around in the marketplace is focused on. Uh, uh, again, uh, audio has about the same amount of engagement the video has, yet there's no one on a global scale that's focused on audio. We are. We think that's a massive opportunity uh, to go after, and that's what we're focusing on. So to the extent the video will play a complementary role to audio, then we'll probably pursue it over time. But we're really, really focused on audio um, because that's the the big, big uh you know, tailwind that we see happening over the next 20 years is going from linear to on-demand. Next question from Rich Greenfield at Lightshed. When you say you reached a long-term agreement with Warner Music, should we take that to mean these are not the typical two-year deals and that this is now in place for at least five years? Um, again, can't comment on um, any specific terms in the deals, but typically these are multi-years. They're not always two years. Some of them are three, um, et cetera, uh, as well. Next question comes from Hamilton Faber at Atlantic Equities. Apple Music now has six-month free trials in new markets. What's the risk that Spot needs to see another extension to free trial periods? Um, again, uh, we'll obviously monitor that and see. Um, I think a key difference between us and competitive services is our freemium model, though. So we've always had free and paid as the option. Uh, and 
Um, it, you know, I've said this before, but one of our key success elements is we typically bring people in on the free service. Uh, they stay, get engaged, learn uh, user behaviors, and then over time feel like there's enormous value here and then turn into paying customers. That's the, the macro strategy that we're investing behind. Um, one should also note that many of the new markets that our competitors are launching in are uh, emerging markets. Uh, and there, obviously, you're seeing um, other impactors for growth like credit card penetration, payment methods, etc. Um, so you may see longer uh, trial periods being needed in those markets for those reasons. That's not to say that that will happen globally. Uh, our next question comes from Brian Russo at Credit Suisse. Can you discuss how or what you have seen so far this year gives you confidence in your full year MAU and subscriber outlook, particularly in light of the pandemic and related recession? Uh, maybe you want to start, Paul, and I can fill in. Yeah, I mean, I would say, look, for us, we fully um, acknowledge there's a tremendous uh, amount more. Let me try that in English. There's a lot more uncertainty in the current market um, than there was in the past. That being said, when we look at um, all of the metrics in terms of um, how we exited the quarter, when we look at churn rates, when we look at uh, retention rates, um, all of those things have continued to trend in the right direction. Um, you know, we actually saw some acceleration uh, towards the end of, of Q1 with respect to users, um, people coming to our free product, people who had, had lapsed and had come back to Spotify. Um, so we feel good about the current trends. We, we acknowledge like everybody else, we're in uncertain times. Uh, we are monitoring the situation as closely uh, as anybody. Um, to see if we see any change in the data or any of the metrics. Um, but what we always try and do is give you guys uh, guidance based on the actual forecast that we have internally. Um, and the current forecast we have internally um, has been pretty consistent with where we started the year. Um, next question comes from John Egbert at Stiefel. Are you observing any changes in listening behavior during this period you think could persist beyond the COVID-19 lockdown? Has the mix of new versus catalog music consumption shifted at all recently? Are you seeing greater consumption of personalized, algorithmically generated playlists than before? I think it's hard to say um, what um, behaviors uh, that will stick um, post the COVID-19 lockdown. Um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, if I'd have to guess, I would say... Uh, Many people are discovering new devices to consume content on, um, like smart TVs, smart speakers, uh, Xbox, PlayStation. Uh, as, as we mentioned, those have been growing at uh, more than 50% uh, just this quarter. So enormous change. I would expect as, as you learn that behavior, you're going to listen. Uh, and then as you're coming back to the car, you will obviously listen in the car too. So we may see a greater engagement than in the past which would be great if that was the case, but it's too early to say. And then uh, new versus catalog music, uh, we definitely see more uh, consumption on, on uh, catalog music and other types of content. Part of that though has been uh, due to the fact that we haven't seen the same amount of music releases in this quarter. So I would suspect that uh, that will shift as more uh, new releases uh, will come into play Q2 and onwards. Uh, and then in terms of personalized, um, that's just been the trend line overall. Um, as we're getting better and better at personalization, we're serving better and better contents and more and more of our users are choosing that. There's nothing specific to this quarter. It's just been an overall trend line that we're seeing more and more people engaging with our recommendations. Uh, next question comes from Maria Rips at Canaccord. 
Can you talk about the adoption of the two-sided marketplace in the current environment? Did the pace change? Do you see adoption of sponsored recommendations accelerating as artists are competing for share of recorded music in absence of live events? Um, not really seen a big um, change in, in trend line. As I mentioned, if anything, uh, there's been fewer new releases overall. Uh, but uh, we're early on in our marketplace uh, strategy. Um, so we saw very, very strong uh, release with the weekend as the sort of highlight of the quarter. But I feel pretty good about uh, the marketplace team and what they're doing and the trend line for the coming year as well. Certainly when you think about just how be much better the ROI is of the marketplace products compared to some of the tools that labels and artists have available to them today to market their releases. Uh, and I would just add on the marketplace side, um, I wouldn't expect us to update uh, the performance of the marketplace every quarter, um, but we did in this quarter reiterate that the, the guidance we gave at the start of the year has been reiterated for the marketplace. Um, we expected we might get some questions based on the current environment. So we have reiterated the guidance we started with at the beginning of the year for marketplace. Um, next question is from Emilio. Given the crisis, do you expect some premium users to change to the Spotify ad version? Since services like Apple Music don't offer a free ad version, do you expect to capture new users who unsubscribe from the paid service? Well, so far we haven't seen any meaningful increase in churn, um, but we have seen an increase in lapsed users coming back to the service. Um, one could speculate and guess that those may have been with competing services, but in light of the economic crisis are now coming back due to our freemium offering. Um, but we don't have any concrete evidence that that's the case. So that's more me speculating on that. But we're we're pretty encouraged, as mentioned, just in increasing overall growth rate at over 130 million subs. And we're reiterating guidance for Q2 and onwards. Uh, we're going to answer uh, a couple more questions. Um, next question comes from Richard Kramer. Oops, just moved there. At what point do you need to look at the value of podcast investments for potential impairment Given reduced ad spend outlook, are premium subs uh, going to be impacted? I lost. Um, are premium subs going to be hearing ads in Spod podcasts? Um, so I'll start with that one. Um, at this point, we don't see uh, any reason. We obviously look at these things every quarter. Um, as I mentioned, coming out of Q1, one of the, the strong areas of growth for advertising is podcasting. Uh, and we see a lot of demand uh, continuing on the podcasting ad front. So uh, we feel really good about that. Um, and yes, currently, uh, premium users do do hear ads uh, in Spotify podcasts. Next question comes from Justin Patterson. Given artists are increasingly reaching users on social channels, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, how is Spotify thinking of providing artists off-platform marketing capabilities? It seems like the current iteration of the two-sided marketplace is primarily marketing on Spotify. Yeah, um, we're experimenting with various tools um, based on what our customers are telling us, i.e. labels and artists teams. Um, and, and you may see off-platform tools too. That said, um, obviously on-platform is where we have a chance of, of doing a really, really highly um, effective uh, advertising. So you can think about, about it uh, in a way where people are in line doing their actual listening that's probably one of the most effective methods that we can have in reaching users and connecting fans to new um, new fans to um, new artists. 
And, and that's a meaningful trend for us to invest in. And that's unique to us and something that we think will both strengthen user experience and artist experience on the platform too. Uh, great. We have time for like about two or three more questions. Um, next one's from Ben Swinburne. XFX ARPU declines accelerated from 4Q19. Was this decline greater than you had expected? The letter calls out trials and campaigns, but presumably that was in your expectations. What is the outlook for XFX ARPU for 2Q20? Um, yeah, the ARPU decline was pretty much in line with expectations. Um, it might have been a touch worse, but in general, pretty much in line. Um, as we said, uh, the premium business was uh, slightly ahead um, um, on the revenue side. So we feel pretty good about that in terms of where the expectations were. And I would say F, the XFX ARPU for Q, to Q20 should be pretty much in line with, uh, with Q1 trends. Uh, the next question is from Daniel Jones. After the launch of direct artist payments, are there long-term plans to develop that channel as an ongoing revenue stream? Uh, I think that's uh, reserving to the artist pick um, tool that we released um, in light of the music relief uh, fund uh, next to the music relief fund um, announcement that we did too. Um, and what that essentially does is it enables users to tip artists or for artists to to um, promote causes uh, that are near and dear to them, either themselves uh, or um, charitable organization like Music Cares in the U.S. Um, and other local organizations around the world. Um, look, it's too early to judge. Uh, we were pretty much just reacting based on the new realities, uh, but we've been overwhelmed with the results. So put it in perspective, just uh, in the last few days, we've seen over 50,000 artists um, sign up um, to promote, promote a cause. So we're very encouraged with that. And so the team is responding to that, responding to the feedback we're getting from artists and consumers alike. Next question comes from Heath Terry at Goldman Sachs. Can you elaborate on the line in the release stem from the core royalty component due to product mix? Uh, I think we've identified, talked about this a couple of times, but I think this refers to the gross margin. And this is about um, just how gross margin can be impacted by the mix of premium and ads. And then the, the product mix within, within premium. So I think that was answered earlier. Uh, and then we'll take one last question from Lloyd Walmsley. How much of the two-sided marketplace advertising revenue is true arm's length cash payments versus labels using credits given to them as part of the broader content deals? Are you seeing a majority of the revenue on the cash side? Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is separate from that. Um, we don't really get into specifics. Uh, as we said, a lot of these end up being accounted for as a, uh, as a benefit to gross, uh, gross profit and not an actual boost to revenue. Um, but these are separate from, um, from the credits. Um, and with that, I will turn it back over to Daniel for some closing comments. Thank you, Paul. Uh, well, in closing, we're really pleased with our quarter. And despite all the uncertainty in the world, we feel very good that we will continue to execute and respond quickly uh, to the environment around us. We also believe that we will likely see new opportunities due to the economic environment and that Spotify will ultimately come out of this as an even stronger company. Thank you again for joining us today. Great. Thanks, everybody. And as we said, the, uh, the replay will be on the, the website uh, shortly. Um, and uh, please give us any feedback on if you preferred Slido. We think it went pretty, pretty well. But if you have any feedback, we definitely appreciate it. So thanks again, everyone, and stay safe. For more information, check out investors.spotify.com.